Welcome to the third episode of Marketing by the Minute, Season 4, Breaking Barriers, brought to you in part by the students of Dan Purdue's Integrative Marketing Communications class. We're here, we'll be meeting with alumni from diverse backgrounds in the hopes of breaking the barriers of entry to the marketing community and building bridges through meaningful connections and stories from those we admire. I'm your host, Kyle Berg, and today we're joined by Nabil Chadlery and Mariana Flores. I'm your host, Kyle Berg, and today we're joined by Nabil Chadlery, a Western Washington alumni who graduated back in 2012 with a bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in marketing and finance. Throughout this episode, we'll be exploring Nabil's academic and professional career and also able to build a bridge between the two worlds as a person of color. Nabil, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here. So you graduated back in 2012 with a degree in marketing. What have you been up to since then? So I was fortunate enough right after graduation to be able to find a job. Um, thankfully at Western, at a career fair, I was able to meet an individual and that turned into an internship for me. So I was really lucky to jump right into a marketing and recruiting coordinator job right out of school. Um, and I was actually doing that internship while I was in school as well. So when I graduated, it was great to be able to show uh, prospective employers that I had a year of employment experience already for my internship, um, which then that marketing and recruiting internship turned into just a recruiting job, mm -hmm. um, which is an industry I've been able to stick in for over the last 10 years now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then what got you into marketing in the first place? You know, I was really passionate about um, the business side of it, really. I was really passionate about entrepreneurship and mm -hmm. biz business development and why, you know, the, the differentiating factors of organizations. Um, and, you know, I knew I wanted to be in CBE from the first day I walked into Western and marketing felt like the most creative strategic outlet for me Absolutely. to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And then how would you describe your journey as a marketer here at Western? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, from day one, I was fortunate enough to know what I wanted to do. And that allowed me the opportunity really to um, dive right into my business courses and be into class in classes that I was actually passionate about. Um, and really the, the hands-on education you get from the program, working on actual projects, working on actual clients and companies and real life scenarios, going through those case studies really set me up for success. Um, I remember having interviews for marketing roles after graduation and I was able to refer back to the exact types of class projects I was doing, my wow, capstone yeah. for example, in those interviews and say, hey, here's how we did it. And when they asked me to put together a presentation in my first interview after graduation, I knew exactly how to do it because that's what we'd been practicing that entire senior yeah. year. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. And then, uh, would you say that being a person of color may have impacted your journey at Western? Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously, um, Bellingham by itself, the, the diversity isn't what you would see in some of those bigger cities. So it's definitely interesting being able to come to an environment like that and um, be able to hold on to your culture, but also assimilate at the same time. It really forces you into it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it you almost have an advantage because you are going to wa walk into work work environments that are going to be maybe predominantly one race or color, something like that. And coming into Western and having to adapt really did set me up for success from that perspective as well. I was able to walk into the workforce, which again in in tech does end up being predominantly white and. I knew exactly kind of how to interact with individuals and how to, you know, set myself apart, but also be able to hold on to what my culture was at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I know a lot of students at Western tend to agree that uh, this campus is a place that really does value diversity and integrity. 
and then later we are hosting a student uh, who transferred here for that exact reason. Uh, but for students who are seeking kind of more representation in CBE or may feel isolated, uh, being a student of color, do you have any advice for them or something to say towards them? I think in general, um, as you just said, Western is a very accepting place. I found CBE to be an extremely accommodating, supportive environment for myself. Mm. Um, you know, I never felt singled out because of the color of my skin. Mm. Um, I never felt like I didn't have the same opportunities as somebody else. Again, it's a very unique balance that I think you know the program here has found, which is supporting and almost and encouraging you to be different, but also fit in at the same time. I think that's a tough balance where, you, again, you're not being ostracized by any means, mm -hmm. but you're also able to um, really put yourself in a situation where people want to learn more about you and they want to know like, hey, you know, well, how did this impact you? Or, you know, tell me more about your culture um, in a, you know, very, again, sensitive and comfortable way. Mm -hmm, for sure. And thank you for sharing that. I'm sure those listening uh, found that very inspiring. And I'm thankful that you are talking to them about this and giving back in a really meaningful way. If it's all right, I do want to switch back to your time here at Western. You mentioned a little bit about uh, Ed's capstone class. Were there any other classes Cass took out as your personal favorite here? Yeah. Um, I remember really all of the marketing classes for sure the best, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't go to all of the accounting classes. Um, mm. You know, I, uh, I may have skipped a couple of those, but... Uh, <laughs> I did really, there was no way I could ever skip a marketing class because you, you, you're you in there not just to, to work on a project, to work on an assignment, you're in there to collaborate with team members. Mm -hmm. And that experience, I, you know, to this moment, I don't think I realized how valuable it was. Um, you know, I just got back from a conference, a work conference, um, you know, last night, and the entirety of the conference was, here's all of these different offices we have across the country, and how we're getting together for the first time in five years um, with all of the different office heads, and that need to collaborate and work together, even though we're all, all over the country, is so important. And I didn't realize, really, until this moment, how well... Uh, how well Western and the marketing program sets you up for that because it forces you into these team projects and it mm -hmm. says you need to work together yeah. <laughs> and, and no, really, yeah. you learn a lot you learn mm -hmm. a lot like you it doesn't matter if you're the smartest guy in the room if you can't get along with the person sitting next to you um, and I give this advice when I when I interview people or do I, I do interview prep I say you know again you could have all the right answers and you, again, you could be the smartest guy, you could answer the right the questions the right way, but if the person you're interviewing with doesn't wanna have lunch with you every day and sit next to you 40 hours a week in a work environment, they're not gonna hire you, right? You yeah. don't wanna be that guy that yeah. someone doesn't wanna work with. Mm -hmm. So being put into those group projects really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. And something we're kind of struggling with too is uh, we call it like silos, integration between the silos and all that. I know something we're struggling with is just like communication and just like, oh, like I'm doing this bit, someone's doing this bit. And yeah. Constant back and forth. It's like, okay, you do this, I'll do this, I'll get it. Oh, it got rejected. Oh, it got rejected. We got to go back to step yeah. one. It's just so kind of learning like integration is. Do you have any advice for integration, by the <laughs> it's way? It's hard. It's so hard. You know what you're describing right now? Again, it, it's you don't realize how important it is because yeah. it, regardless of even if you end up in marketing or not in your career, you're going to have to work with other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over communication is so important. Um, recognizing that the person you're working with, the individuals that you're working with, they have their perspective and their perspective makes them believe that they're right. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a situation where you're debating back and forth, recognizing that, hey, this is not a black and white answer, and understanding 
what did they go through in their life? What knowledge base are they working off of that they believe that this is the right answer? Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, I know you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z from my perspective, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Can you sit there for a second and be like, what makes you think what you just said? Because I, I believe it's wrong, but clearly yeah, you think yeah. it's right. So I wonder, let me, let me unpack that for a second, right? Let me understand your perspective. Um, and that's probably step one is just asking those questions. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you, uh, you verbalize those questions and other times it's for yourself to sit back and, and try not to react. Mm -hmm. um, I remember getting very you know, good coaching from, from Ed Love when I was in those situations. I was one of those individuals that I, I always thought I was right when I was in those class projects. Mm -hmm. I would walk in and be like, this is the right decision, we're making this decision, without necessarily feeling like I needed to explain myself all the time. And it did put, my, put me, give me a reputation where people didn't necessarily want to work with me in that project, right. which really yeah. hurt me in yeah. that situation, right? Because people didn't want to work on a team with somebody where someone else just feels like they're going to be the captain, right? If I could go back, I would tell myself just to relax, calm down, relax. doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It's more important for you to listen and get along with the folks you're working with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You actually just answered my next question, which was if you could go back, what what would you change? Would, would there be anything else you would go back and change, or would you just kind of kick would back, hang out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about kick back and hang cool. out. I would definitely let Fair myself <laughs> uh, enjoy the moment more, right? Mm -hmm. When you're a student, all you want to do is graduate and get out of here, and you don't realize. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you hear that from everybody. Everybody will tell you the same thing, so you know it's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I got out of here way too quickly. I, I I should have you know stayed longer and really soaked it in because once you get into that work environment, I mean you don't really get a break after that, right? There's no mm -hmm. summer vacation, winter break, spring break. There's none of that. It's just a constant grind, yeah. right? Yeah. So taking the time to enjoy yourself while you're in college and in these classes is great. Doing whatever you can, I would say, to try and maintain those relationships post-graduation is so important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I mean that with you know your actual friends and just your general marketing acquaintances and your cohort in, mm -hmm. that you're graduating with, because they are going to be in individuals you'll likely collaborate with in the future. Um, and it does get really isolated after you graduate because you're no longer going into a classroom or in an environment where you're meeting people every day and you're socializing, right? And yeah. you may end up in a job that's fully remote and you are never physically seeing team members. Mm -hmm. So that the need to keep those friends and those, uh, those uh, classmates and keep those relationships um, going post-graduation is really important and it has to be intentional. It's not mm -hmm. gonna happen naturally. If you don't have a, have a plan to proactively reach out to people post-graduation, you're not going to keep those connections two years, five years down the road. Mm. Do, do you have any recommendations for trying to keep and maintain those connections? I know like LinkedIn might be a huge resource for that, just kind of applauding your, your fellow classmates at you know, their, I guess their celebrations or their promotions and whatnot. Do you have like any other advice for that? Yeah, I mean, try and make it as, as real life in person as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, makes such a big difference. I mean, we all know the, the downsides of social media and yeah. it's not always real what you're seeing somebody else post mm -hmm. and what, you know, everybody's trying to put their own best foot forward when you're talking about social. You don't really get to know somebody or get to build those relationships unless you're in person, at least on video, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, don't let yourself get caught in that hole of like, well, I, you know, I, I DM'd with a few people this week, that's enough. Like, 
Mm. You gotta make yourself get out there. Maybe you guys do a networking group. Maybe you, you have some sort of club after graduation. Um, I, I play Settlers of Catan. I play board games in real life yeah. with my friends yeah. every weekend. You know, we get together and we do something, right? So just mm. having little things like that that are, um, you know, in-person gatherings to build those relationships makes a difference. Yeah, kind of like small, small but meaningful, you know? Yeah, small but meaningful. Um, definitely intentional. If there's certain people that you enjoyed spending time with in college and maybe you all end up moving away from each other and, and going all over the country, find a way to get together regularly, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, find excuses to go on vacation together or maybe everybody, you find some sort of conference or like marketing opportunity, marketing networking opportunity that you're like, guys, everyone's gonna go to this. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's back to Bellingham, right? Maybe mm -hmm. it's like, guys, let's, let's get back together. Let's, you know, let's do something. Let's get together, this thing's happening. Mm -hmm. Kind of need that, somebody in the group to sort of lead that effort to try and keep those connections alive. For sure, for sure. And then um, another question I have for you is, you're part of the Marketing Advisory Board Correct. at Western. What does that mean, the Marketing Advisory Board? Sure, the Marketing Advisory Board is really intended to give an outside perspective to the department, really the department heads, mm. um, on what's really going on, one out in the industry, any opportunities for alumni engagement, and what could we be doing to help better the students more. So we have different committees within the marketing advisory board that's more action oriented. So like I mentioned, one of them might be a fundraising committee because we wanna make sure the students every year have enough dollars to do the activities that they wanna do. Um, and maybe that's a trip down to Seattle to, to meet with um, you know, different companies, things like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's scholarship dollars. Um, but it's really also very important to me as a part of that committee to keep, um, to, to do exactly what we were just talking about, which is how are you engaging with the program and engaging with each other after graduation? That alumni engagement aspect of it is a really important part of the advisory board as well. And in general, just again, any feedback going back to the department on like, here's what we see going on in the industry, here are the type of classes we think are gonna be really important, um, you know, here are the type of technology changes we're seeing coming up, software, things like that. Mm -hmm, for sure. And then, so shifting over to your professional career, uh, I noticed on LinkedIn you you do a lot in the recruiting business. What got you into recruiting in the first place? Yeah, um, as I mentioned earlier, it was really, it, it was luck to an extent. It was that I had an internship that was a marketing and recruiting coordinator internship. I didn't know what that recruiting piece meant mm -hmm. when I took that internship. I just said, hey, I need an internship. It says marketing <laughs> on here, I'm in. Perfect, yeah. Right, <laughs> suddenly I was working at a recruiting company and you know, I was, I, was, I was in charge of engagement. I was scheduling interviews. I was greeting people as they came in. I was helping get our face Facebook likes up at the time, mm -hmm. um, right? So I really fell into having recruiting in the in my industry and in my um, uh, like LinkedIn, basically. Mm -hmm. But when it's interesting, I, I used the word intentional earlier. You really do get—I don't mean this in a bad way—you get stuck in the industry you start with to an extent. Interesting. Yep. If you if you end up taking a job as an email marketer, suddenly all of the opportunities you're getting for the next ten years in your career <laughs> is an email marketing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, I don't mean that in a bad way because I love what I do, mm -hmm. but you do see this in in the uh, just in corporate America right now. Whatever first job you sort of start with, that titling that happens, that's the type of job you can get next. Right. So again, starting yeah. in recruiting, um, I ended up thankfully loving it, but I was, it was really easy for me to get a recruiting job after that more so than it was to get a marketing job. Mm -hmm. And now I have 10 plus years of recruiting experience. So it's going to be pretty hard for me to change careers. Right. Um, yeah. right. So again, whatever that first couple jobs that you stay in, like you're, you might end up being there for a while. So you want to be really intentional about it. 
Interesting. You know, that's <laughs> making me scared a little over here because <laughs> I'm looking at trying to get some stuff lined up, and none of it is yeah. exactly marketing per se, but that I yeah. love marketing. I do want to go into that. So yeah. I don't do you have any advice for like kind of looking for like that first job that's like really meaningful and impactful? Sure. Um, you always have to find that balance between big company and small company. Um, I started a smaller company, which allowed me to have an incredible amount of impact. It allowed me to get promoted and rise up very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you started a larger company, you get that big name on your resume, that's helpful in your career as well, kind of throughout that time. Mm -hmm. But most people will tell you that first kind of two, three years, you just want to be a sponge. You want to learn everything that you can. Um, mm -hmm. And the best way to typically do that is going to be at a smaller company, uh, mid-sized company that's going to let you do more things. Now, when we talk about being scared because you might get stuck in doing something that you don't really love doing, smaller companies allow you to pivot typically a little bit better. Mm -hmm. um, because once you get in there, you can say like, hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, but I notice no one's doing our social right now. Can I do that? Is that okay if I Got start you, you yeah. know, managing yeah. our, our Instagram page? and? Then this page over here, oh, by the way, no one's doing any like sort of A-B testing for the, for the sales team. What type of messaging, what type of templates are they using? Let me help with that. Let me write that copy and see how it works. Mm -hmm. um, you can do a lot more of that at a smaller organization as well. So you kind of have a bit more freedom and a bit more power to it to kind of explore other branches that maybe aren't being met by other people. It's easier to pivot. Um, you know, when I've talked to actually a lot of recruiters that have wanted to change careers into like program management, for example, PM, mm, yeah. project management, program management. And typically what I would tell those individuals is go to a larger company because that's the only place you can kind of get into if you already have some of that recruiting background. But once you get in there, move laterally to another department if you can. Mm. Once you're at a company already, it's easier to ask for those other responsibilities once you're within that company. Because mm. externally, they're just looking at your resume and they're like, you're not a PM, you're a recruiter, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire you for the recruiting job. Right. When you're already at yeah. a company, it's yeah. easier to move departments and move teams over, move roles over, because you've already kind of built trust at that company. Mm -hmm. Again, e easier to do a small company, also possible at a larger company if they have all of these different channels. Because the larger companies are typically always hiring, mm -hmm. so you could start in one job category and completely move over to a different skill set within mm -hmm. that company if given the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And then as, so you as a recruiter, do you feel like AI potentially like messes with your job or like how does that how does that implemented as a recruiter sure we're, we're talking about that a lot right now you know i yeah, laugh yeah. because everybody is talking about it and that's sort of the, the million dollar question we're having to write articles about chat gbt so that's, yeah that's fun <laughs> yeah exactly um so there's a couple different ways we're looking at it one is what how can we make improvements internally on our day-to-day -day based on the availability of ai can i for example a really um, simple form of this is when we typically send candidates over to clients, I would take your resume, but I would also write a little summary. I might do some mm -hmm. bullets based on the conversation you and I had, and I may send that over to the client as just a quick snippet of, of what you can do before they even click on your resume. Mm -hmm. Well, GPT can do that for you in an instant now. Yeah. You just you just say, hey, I'm going to send this resume over to a client. Can you write a summary? And it can kind of do the whole thing. Um, Got you. Okay. I mentioned sales templates earlier. I mm -hmm. also run business development in our organization. All of that writing of all those templates and what works and what doesn't work and, hey, how do I respond to this email, GBT can do it for you. So I personally am not looking at it as a, hey, this is going to negatively impact my industry. It's going to take my job away. I'm saying, wow, it's taking a lot of the stuff I, away that I don't want to do anyway, which is spending like tedious time writing things up and things like that. That's one example of it. Mm -hmm. um, so internally, how can we use it to create efficiencies and get rid of some of the lower level work, which allows leaders to be more strategic and spend their time doing things they might actually want to do? 
The other side of it is when we talk about recruiting, what jobs are going to actually be valuable in five years given the improvement of AI? Are you still going to need certain skill sets? You know, within marketing, Right now, there may be um, assets you have to create for social or email and things like that, digital assets. That's going to be significantly easier for you over the next few years. You're just going to be able to tell a tool like, hey, we're having this event, can you create a graphic for me? And it'll do that. Mm -hmm. So again, isn't that good to an extent mm -hmm. if you're able to use it the right way as opposed to thinking this is taking someone's job away? Mm -hmm. That person whose job is impacted can actually do higher level things now. Mm -hmm. Whereas you can, they don't have to do the production work, if you would put it. The, the busy work, or mm -hmm. yeah, production Yeah, exactly. Work. I, for, for me, there, there's a lot of talk about it. I know there's <coughs> professors who love it, professors who hate it, because like, oh, like they use ChatGPT to write their articles, and of course on the top they have, they forgot to cut out, I'm an AI, this, that, so they see that and get graded on their paper. But I, I think of it more as like a basic, like the way a hammer is a tool, I like to think about it like that. I help it and it assists me like my research for all my papers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Not saying I'm like, hey, like write my paper, but it's like, hey, like is this source trustworthy? Yep. You know, I don't want to take the time to read through it. Just give me a quick brief. Should I trust this? And yeah, that's that. exactly right. So yep. yeah. Um, then we're going to move on to our next segment, which is Tough Talks, where uh, students from an entry level business class were given the opportunity to ask you questions about your career and your time at Western. So we'll jump right into that. Our first student here asked, what are the three biggest learning curves you have come up against since graduating? Learning curves, yeah. yeah. Um, so an easy one is what we talked about earlier. It's just that those interpersonal skills with team members. Um, you know, you're not just going to be working in a silo anymore. You're going to have to um, be able to really figure out how to work together and get buy-in from team members when you want projects to be successful. Um, similar um, but I would say worth pointing out by itself is the need to over communicate with your superiors and your leadership as well. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to walk into an environment where it's almost show me your work, right? And but you have to show me your work in a corporate environment as well, which is saying, here's what I did this week, clearly articulated out with KPIs, with metrics to your bosses. Mm -hmm. um, you're not just saying like, I'm doing my job, leave me alone. You're having to kind of show, show it along the way and over communicating that aspect of it, things you might think are not important, uh, but would be so. Um, lastly, I would say focusing on, I mentioned recruiting for me as something that, was, that like, I really was able to dive deep into. I would recommend doing that for, for anybody kind of graduating, um, really focusing in on like one channel or potentially one specialization and learning that itself. It's going to be hard and a lot of times you walk into it. You know, you walk into a role that you think is going to be very 360 marketing, but then day one it's like, no, we just want you to work on, you know, our Twitter feed because that's what's most important. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to get really technical and learn along the way, okay, what's working within Twitter? I really didn't focus on that as my channel for the last, you know, while I was in school. Um, so whatever that channel or specialization might be, really diving deep into that I think is going to be one of the, the humps to overcome. Awesome. And then our another student here asks, I feel like it's more difficult for me to network and create a presence in the business world. Is it something you've also struggled with? And do you have any advice for those who are struggling? Yeah, I think today more than ever, it, it's difficult because um, there's so many people looking for jobs and so many people looking to network because mm -hmm. of where the economy is. There's not as many jobs. Um, it's just something that you have to power through, to be honest. Um, I might have been able to tell somebody five years ago, like, hey, just reach out to 10 people and most of them will get back to you and that'll be a good point. Now it's like, 
one. <laughs> right, that, exactly. Yeah. So now instead of reaching out to 10 people, you gotta reach out to 100. Mm -hmm. And that is yeah. truly just yeah. power through it. Don't think about it. Don't don't think like, oh, I spent so long writing this perfect email to this one person. I feel so good about it. No, write 100 emails, yeah. right? And don't yeah. think too much about each specific one because the chances that individual is going to get back to you today is lower because their their inbox is saturated. They have right. already yeah. so many people on LinkedIn and email messaging them. So it's just more more of that effort. Mm -hmm. I've also heard people. Um, a lot of us like to stick to the framework of one static resume. Mm. That should not be the case at all. People should be, Correct. especially out of college, they should be like changing their resume and kind of crafting it and personalizing it to each job. Would you think that's the case? Absolutely, yeah. You know, it depends on the types of jobs you're applying to. Mm -hmm. But at a minimum, I recommend having a different one for each type of job, right? For sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. And then another student asked, uh, what was your transition from university to your first job outside of college like? Um, it was, I would say for me, it was as seamless as it could get, right? Mm -hmm. I had, I didn't have more than a 60 day break. Um, like I got a job pretty quickly after graduation. I think I started in August after graduating in June. Um, so it was pretty fast for me. And I would say um, that first year, it's this understanding you walk in, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, um, right? It, there's that feeling for sure. And that's, that's normal. Um, there is that feeling of, I have, you're either gonna be in one or two of the situations or they're gonna say, am I doing enough? Am I, you know, am I, am I not you know, meeting expectations? Or, oh my gosh, I'm so overworked, I have so much to do, I'm panicking, just depending on the person's personality, mm -hmm. right? And all of those things are totally legitimate and most, of, most people will find balance after that first year or two. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that first year it's, you know, you could be, the pendulum could swing every day if you let it, but eventually you kind of find your footing, you settle in and, you know, it takes three to six months on a job before you really know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm, for sure. And then another student asked, how does ADEI play a part in your career as a recruiter? We are always looking to provide diversity to our clients and to hiring managers that are looking to hire. Mm -hmm. um, and we're trying to provide diverse pools. Um, what we recognize more than anything is each one of us, whether we want to recognize it or not, has unconscious bias. And that goes into the candidates that we choose to interview after looking at resumes. That goes into the candidates that we choose to hire after interviewing somebody. So it's really about setting very clear questions and guidelines so that we don't let those unconscious biases get in the way as much as we can. Mm -hmm. um, and recognizing what those unconscious biases are so that we can overcome them. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, uh, a student asked, a lot of people fall into the trap of getting whatever job is willing to hire them. What is the best way to kind of get out of this trap? Or, yeah, what is the best way to, to find a job that suits someone? Yeah, I mean, that, that's very challenging, right? Because at some point you need a job. Um, yep. In an economy like this, at some point you, you just, you gotta say yes to something. Yep. Um, as much as employers may hate this answer, you should always keep looking, you should always network. Um, mm -hmm. Right. Even when you get that job, you should not stop networking by mm -hmm. any means, even if you think it is a great job. You always want to be improving yourself, whether it's through additional certifications or more networking opportunities, um, or while you're at the job asking for more opportunities that, that are there. So I really hesitate to tell anybody right now, like, hey, don't take a job. Um, mm -hmm. Because they're hard to get, and if you're unless you're getting three offers in, in a one week period, like you should probably you know take a role mm -hmm. um, instead of passing up too much. 
Um, I definitely would not worry about the money if you could if you can afford to do so that first year. I would absolutely take a role that's at a good company at a job that seems to make sense at a much lower compensation than I was expecting because it'll you'll make up for it tenfold over the course of your career, kind of getting started at a lower paying role, but then having that build your resume a little bit. Um, the first one to two years of experience is the hardest to get. So you want to jump in as quickly as you can. And like I said earlier, even if it's a job you don't end up loving, maybe you can pivot once you're there, even within the same company. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, it's all the time we have today. Nabil, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time here and giving back to Western students in Early Meaningful Way. If you would like to connect with Nabil, uh, you can connect with him on his LinkedIn at Nabil Chadlery. We're good. Thanks, guys. And that was time with Nabil. I want to thank him again for his contribution and willingness to give back to the Western Marketing Program. Now I'm joined by the wonderful Mariana Flores. Uh, she'll be joining us today. Uh, fun fact of Mariana is she is the future VP of SMA next year. Mariana, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us, uh, can you introduce yourself, sorry, um, tell the guests a little bit about yourself, so like your uh, current year, your major, and your plans are after graduation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm currently a second year and I'm hoping to major in marketing and after college I'm not sure exactly what I want to do but I know I want to go into the tech field mm -hmm. I'll work my way through getting there with all positions here currently in college hopefully with I can start off with SMA mm -hmm. the position but yeah awesome I know I didn't figure out what I was gonna do until two years here so oh, but now we're here and we figured out along the way now I understand that you transferred from Oregon I'm a little biased, but I think you made an excellent choice transferring here. Can I ask what inspired you to, to move up here? Yeah, so my school, um, it wasn't that safe for uh, mm. its BIPOC students. I, w I felt it wasn't that safe because uh, of the political climate that was happening. And I just felt like it also didn't fit me, the school personally. So I tried my hardest into getting as many scholarships and speaking to as many people about like what other opportunities and like schools there was mm -hmm. and a big thing of mine was um people always were saying that I couldn't go out of state like it wasn't just an option for me mm -hmm. like I, I just wasn't gonna make it and I really wanted to prove them wrong so I did so I went to as many professors and advisors to talk about what scholarships there were that could help me transfer to another state and when I saw um, <clears throat> my like main academic advisor, she recommended Western Washington. And also, I have a friend who came here. Mm -hmm. So I had an insight on what it was like. And I just felt it really connected with my values and like what I wanted to see in a school. So I was like, perfect. I'm going to go there. I'm going to transfer. And I'm going to like have my dream of being like going to a school out of state because that's what mm -hmm. I wanted to do the most. That's awesome. Well, we're really happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, now, you're also taking over uh, VP of SMA in the mm -hmm. fall. Uh, what made you want to take on that challenge? Yeah, so I really wanted to start putting myself out there. And I also wanted to implement more um, alumni students from diverse backgrounds so that students here have that representation and that people like us can go into fields that we think are out of reach because that's how I felt at the beginning. Like, oh, I can't go into the tech field. Oh, I can't do this just because of who I am, but it's wrong. Like, that's not true. I can, and I will. And I'll show students that they can also do like things they think are out of reach. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, now, you mentioned a little bit about Oregon, and they weren't very, uh, what's, 
I'm trying to find the best way to say this. Um, they weren't very accommodating uh, for BIPOC students. Do you feel that uh, transferring here, you, you have been much more accommodated and much more, I guess, openness and willingness to kind of see you as that? Yeah, I do. I My main thing was that there wasn't really a, a space or community for all of us BIPOC students to really come together and connect and form a community with each other. And Western has the ESC, which is amazing. It's mm -hmm. a space for all of us to really just form that strong connection. Mm -hmm. And with that, I just, I've been able to meet people from like all type of backgrounds and they inspire me to do all many things because they're doing amazing things themselves. So I'm just like, people like me are doing these things mm -hmm. that I thought were out of reach, but I know now that it's not, that they tell me their journeys and like their trials and their tribulations. And it's, I just know that I can do it if they can do it because they inspire me. Mm -hmm. Awesome, and ESC, what, what is that exactly? ESC is the Ethnic Student Center. And it's just a space for like us students to like, you know, have just a safe space to talk with each other, mingle, get to know all the other students that are here at campus because we are a small community, but mm -hmm. because we're small, we're still connected. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so, Mariana, for students who are trying to seek representation in CBU, or maybe they feel like isolated being a student of color, do you have any advice for them as they look further into their career here at Western? Yeah, I would just say try to put yourself out there, which I know is everybody says that, but for us, like everything is kind of against us in a mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. So we all have to like look for all the resources and opportunities there is, which is why I wanted to go into like a leadership position with SMA so I could figure all that out mm -hmm. and try to like give as many resources and opportunities to students mm -hmm. like me. Because it is hard, especially if like, for example, like there's a lot of BIPOC first generation students. We don't know what resources to ask for and opportunities. So like take advantage of the academic advisors like student um, outreach services. They're perfect as well to help with anything and like within the CBE, that's how I kind of got into it with like my student um, advisor or academic advisor. She talked about Ikisai too, and mm -hmm. which is like a professional development um, uh, organization, which mm -hmm. really helped me get into like the professional world, as well as SMA. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, okay, well, if this is what I want to go into, let me let me talk to the people. Let me try to make as many connections, so I can form a better community and connections within the CBE. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, I am still working on trying to like figure that out as well, like mm -hmm. the question you asked. But it's all just putting myself out there and try to figure out the resources that Western has, which I feel could be better for students like us, but it will take time. But that's why I'm here, to try to, try to figure it out and give it to students like me. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome, and I'm glad you're doing that. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Uh, Mariana, I want to thank you again for being on Marking of the Minute, Breaking Barriers. We look forward to seeing you around campus and in future SMA mm -hmm. meetings. Uh, if you have any further questions regarding SMA, uh, you can find more information on the club's uh, Instagram page at SMA underscore WW. Uh, and you can also connect with Mariana through her LinkedIn at Mariana Flores. Mm -hmm. thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Marketing by the Unit, Breaking Barriers, featuring alum Nabil Chadlery and student rep Mariana Flores. Make sure to follow all the marketing program socials linked below to keep up with all future episodes. And with that, until next time. Mm -hmm.